This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, I'm Ashley Hales. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. Here at the Finding Holy Podcast, it is our aim to help you connect the dots between big things that matter and your everyday holy life. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. Wendy Alsup is an author who encourages women to engage theology for themselves. She's the author of several books, including Practical Theology for Women, The Gospel-Centered Woman, and By His Wounds You Are Healed. She also teaches math at a local community college and is editor at theologyforwomen.org. She lives in St. Matthews, South Carolina with her two sons. And today we talk about her recent book, Companions in Suffering. Friends, this is a thoughtful, gentle, rich conversation once again with a lovely guest who will give you practical help as you consider how you've suffered or how you may walk alongside someone else who's suffering. Here's my conversation with Wendy. Friends, it's fun to welcome to the podcast Wendy Alsup. She's the recent author of the book, Companions in Suffering, Comfort for Times of Loss and Loneliness. So thanks for being here, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I thought your book would be a really helpful way to talk about what does it look like to suffer well? Um, how does suffering shape us as Christians? And how do we, you know, particularly in this moment in time, how do we deal with the collective grief and loss that we're experiencing? So I'm excited to have you on. Thank you. How do we view suffering in light of the Bible? What does God have to teach us through suffering? Um, and then maybe if you could maybe tell us what that looks, what's what your own personal experience of suffering has, has felt and looked like. Yeah, um, I have come to think of suffering as um, our collective and individual groaning mm. with the weight of the consequences of the fall of man. Ooh, I like that. Um, and it helps me to think about it in terms of all God created the world to be mm -hmm. versus all that the world is now. Yeah. And to understand why I groan. Yeah. I groan because there is something wrong and it was not meant to be this way. And I think, I'll tell you what I think suffering well is not. Suffering well is not making your peace with death or divorce or cancer. Mm -hmm. It's not putting on a happy face and saying, well, God's going to be good to me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just going to trust God. And mm -hmm. you know, God is in charge of all things. Not in a flippant way. It's right. not, it's not an easy, it's not coming to that in the easy way. I don't think we've suffered well until we've wrestled with why our experience is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like how can you suffer well if you act like 
death or cancer is not a big deal. Right. Because that's not how God created the world mm-hmm. to function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, and it took me a while. I used to think that suffering well was getting straight to um, the end of the book of Job. Yeah. Without spending a long time in the middle part of the book of Job. Mm -hmm. And it was good for me to learn to stop in the middle. Mm. Um, And then that's how you get to the end, but you got to lament first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, you know, I ended up with the divorce that I did not want. And um, then after that, as I was kind of recovering and getting my feet back under me, I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer while I'm single parenting yeah. um, to young boys. <laughs> and um, that weight upon weight, mm-hmm. um, in, I also have some other um, health issues. So weight upon weight upon weight, um, really... It was, it was the second diagnosis, you know, the breast cancer that really knocked, knocked. It's almost like you expect, you know, it's okay. Okay. I, I've had this hard thing in my life. This is a thing I don't want this divorce, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to persevere and, you know, wept a lot, a lot of hard times with it, but by God's grace and the support of my church, I would keep on and I would persevere and I'd take my boys to church and we would, we hoped for, you know, we could do this. Yeah. But it was the second, the breast cancer mm-hmm. that just knocked me flat. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for Job too, you know, it was one thing when the storm ruined his livestock, but when all of his children died as well, yeah, you know, it's the weight upon weight upon weight. Mm-hmm. And I think our whole world right now yeah. Yeah. is weight upon weight upon mm-hmm. weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the unhealthy ways that we try to deal with that, the weight of the suffering, you know, the compended suffering, or you talk about, you know, ambiguous loss. Um, and then what have you found as profitable ways through well, for me, an unhelping cope, cope, I got all kinds of unhelping, <laughs> yeah. unhelping coping mechanisms, right? Yeah. Um, and often it's amusement, mm-hmm. um, those things that amuse is without thought, what are the things that can distract me from mm-hmm. thinking about it? And sometimes, you know, there's good and right to go right. watch a movie or, um, but then there's a lot of amusement without mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. that can really um, not be helpful. But then the healthy coping mechanisms, I think, are community with the saints. And it doesn't just have to be living saints. That's That was kind of the whole purpose of my book. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. I need to lean into um, suffering in Scripture, suffering mm-hmm. in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the suffering servant, right? Yep, yep. And um, the Holy Spirit groans for us when we don't even know how to put, you know, it's really, really interesting to think about the Holy Spirit groaning. Hmm. So I think a real necessary thing for us to endure suffering is the community of suffering, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. fellowship of suffering, Mm -hmm. right? And it's more than just living people. It's 
I think when we suffer and we lean into the suffering in scripture, it's when we really start to understand scripture. Right. Like you could come to understand Jesus as the man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Mm -hmm. Then you've understood Jesus. Right. You know, you have not fully understood Jesus until you understand him as suffering servant. Mm -hmm. Um, You've not fully understood Jesus until you grasp the moment when he wept with yeah. Mary and Martha, even though he knew he was going to heal Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that moment, amazing. That is an amazing moment in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the solidarity, even in the Trinity, we right. have solidarity in their suffering. And we have solidarity with um, Job, with David, with the um, psalmist of Psalm 73, mm-hmm. you know, with so many characters from scripture, Joseph, there's solidarity in the suffering and we are not alone. I think it's a really poignant thing that Jesus told his disciples right before he returned. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. Yeah. And I think that that is um, the major cry of our heart. And we feel it when we're suffering, we feel alienated from others Um, alienated from God, and we need to know we are not orphans left to navigate this, these consequences of Mm -hmm. the fall of man. We are not left to navigate these on our own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a sense in which not only, you know, know, grieving with in-person people, right, either as the one suffering or you know, the one offering consolation or presence, but, but also I like how you're saying, you know, with a larger cloud of witnesses, you know, that you write about that we, we, we have a larger picture, you know, of ourselves. It becomes less like navel gazing, right? You know, I think. Right. Yeah. We're part of a community that has suffered and a community that has endured. And that's what they, this hope that they give us is Mm -hmm. that they're cheering us on from the sidelines. God is not going to lose you. Mm -hmm. You will make it across the finish line and not because you have the energy within yourself, but God is just going to make sure Mm -hmm. he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure you make it across that finish line. And he carried them across it. And now they're, and you know, I love this uh, language that, they won't be made perfect until we are in the mm-hmm. book of Hebrews. Uses yeah, that language. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it means, but right. I just, <laughs> to me, it means there's, they're hanging out there waiting on us to finish the race too. Yeah. And this is mind boggling. It's so sweet. It's so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what have been the things for you personally that have gotten you through you know, those moments where you don't, you want to rush to the end of Job, right? You want to rush to the, to the, at least the consolation, if not, you know, a nice bow tied up, you know, of all the loose ends. Um, But what have been the things that have helped you stay in the present in those moments of suffering and to do it faithfully? Well, at my worst points, particularly around my divorce, and as I was kind of having to liquidate my life. Um, We lived in Seattle for about 13 years. I was liquidating my life in Seattle Mm -hmm. and contemplating moving to South Carolina and just really, really at a deep, low place. Yeah. Um, I 
God allowed three friends in my life, and they were the kind of friends that were not threatened by my doubts and my questions and my wrestling. And those particular friends did a good job of checking in with me. And I'm trying to be now a better, a better, do a better job of checking in with friends who are mm-hmm. in low points. But mm-hmm. they would check in with me. But the interesting thing that I noticed was sometimes I needed to be, I needed their faith. I needed their faith. Mm-hmm. And I think I had faith, but I didn't feel like I had faith. I felt mm-hmm. like I was the smoldering wick. about to be snuffed out. I was the bruised reed about to be broken off. But they would just talk me through it without Mm. being threatened by it. Mm. And I needed that. I needed it sometimes for a little while, multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I got my feet back under me. And, you know, and then I would get to a point where I could go to scripture and I could go to prayer. But there was like this little intense point where, I was so face down in the mud. I couldn't even really lift myself up to get Mm. myself to scripture, to get myself to prayer, but they would pray for me. Mm. They would quote scripture to me. Mm. And that was such a ministry of grace. I really needed. That's beautiful. (laughs) So what do we do, you know, during this pandemic and this moment of collective suffering, we can see, right? Lots of people. Yeah. We are, collectively suffering and we deal with it lots of different ways. Um, people are imploding their lives on purpose. You know, people are, um, distracting themselves. Um, a lot of us have, yeah, a ton of transitions going on. Uh, there's a lot of loss. So how do we do that? You know, corporately, how do we suffer corporately? How do we suffer corporately? Well, we lament, Mm -hmm. we lament and, I think we need more sobbing prayer meetings mm. where you're you've, where you're free not to, or, you know, where you're free to pray the angry psalms that don't right. resolve. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not just the ones that finally resolve in the end, but maybe you could just have a prayer meeting where you you pray an angry psalm with other <laughs> people that I forget which one it is that doesn't resolve. I think right. it's one that really truly doesn't resolve. Right. But we may need to sit in that one for mm. a while or lamentations or reading yeah. the book of Jeremiah and just sitting in mm-hmm. all owning, own all that is wrong with the world because we don't know what we're being called toward if we can't really, mm. if we're trying to talk ourselves out in any way of what's wrong now. Yeah. And, um, it's hard sometimes and you can't do it long-term. You can't sit in it all the time, right? But you got to sit in it some of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you need to turn off the news and just say story by story, Lord, this is not what you created. Mm. You know, you didn't create our, our national forest to burn down in fires because Mm -hmm. our climate got too hot. This is how you, created our climate. This is not how you created us to, to look at one another um, based on our color. This is not how you created us to be sick and die gasping for breath. This is not what we were created to be in this political turmoil. This is mm-hmm. not how you created human relationships to be. Yeah. Um, and also to lean into, I think we have to lean into love for God and love for our neighbor. 
But the problem is it's less painful to hate our neighbor than it is to love our neighbor who is hurting us. Hmm. So if I can hate my neighbor, if I can hate the president and, and, Hmm. and write him off or hate my neighbor Hmm. who's voting for a president I'm not comfortable with and writing them off, Mm -hmm. it's less painful than hurting because you love them. Hmm. And it's easier to write off relationship with them than, um, yeah. So we're going to have to own the hurt for a little while, Hmm. but no, we're not alone in it, that that the spirit really does groan with us. He groans Mm -hmm. with us that Jesus weeps when he sees our turmoil. Yeah. And um, that there are, a great cloud of witnesses who have endured very similar circumstances. We are not unique. Right. <laughs> we got a pandemic during, you know, heated political times. Well, actually, that is not, it's not the first go around <laughs> for the Christian church of, mm-hmm. you know, plague and political unrest. Mm-hmm. And so we have a cloud of witnesses cheering us on who persevered in the faith. And I think sometimes of Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Jim and Elizabeth Elliott or mm-hmm. Amy Carmichael, or I think of, 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 you know, those who persevered in the faith cheering me on. Yeah. And sometimes it's good just to like read old Christian biographies. Yeah. That's a good one. From years ago and to hear, I'm actually reading a book by Catherine Marshall. Mm-hmm. And she's, it's called Beyond Ourselves. And she's writing around World War I, World War II. And her analysis of um, what was going on in the hearts of the church and the uh-huh. hearts of the world seems so spot on. I just, and you're so like, un- this was like 75 years ago or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yesterday on the news at the same right. time. Mm-hmm. And it's really comforting to me. That is comforting. I like that. That's a really helpful, practical way to engage. Cause I think we can get so turned in on ourselves or at this moment in time, um, we get really myopic with our own collective experience for sure. Right. Right. This episode is brought to you in part by beyond ordinary women ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership at bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What sort of healing has come out of your suffering or what sort of ways has suffering transformed you in a way that other things maybe wouldn't have had the same effect that you can see in hindsight after at least having walked through um, 
the divorce and the breast cancer? I think I'm more sober, you know, and that's something that you're warned to be, you're told to be sometimes. Yeah. Serious minded, more sober minded. Mm -hmm. And um, I still, I still laugh. I still have fun times, but at the same time, I think I, I think differently. I think Mm. differently. I really do. I think differently. I think more eternally Mm. Um, because, you know, in fact, my pastor preached on um, death. It was uh, from the book of Joseph Mm -hmm. and Jacob is dying and he tells Joseph, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Mm -hmm. And that phrase has actually become a little more real to me Mm. where as I contemplate, in fact, I just found a lump mm. last week and I just <sighs> really was convinced it was cancer. It's not good, <laughs> uh, not, but, but it was a yeah. good mental exercise for me to go through. Yeah. And I, I contemplated in a very different way than I did my mm. last round, mm. because I think I do have a better sense that this world, that God is doing something eternal, mm. not and I'm less myopic mm-hmm. um, because of this. And that's good. Yeah. And so I can say God has used it for good in my life to transform me. Mm-hmm. Um, still, it's bad stuff. I'm not for cancer and I'm not for divorce, right. but it is God's miracle, the miracle of God, because only he could use something so evil. That's the result of Satan destroying the world <laughs> to grow us. Yeah. It is a miracle. How might we um, think about being a companion um, in suffering? Well, I I think we have to be listeners, not problem solvers. And maybe mm. this whole um, there we can't solve these problems. (laughs) There is no solving these problems, but I know how often in my life and how often others have come to me Mm -hmm. wanting when I gave them, when I opened up about my problem where the answers or they feel a responsibility to help me solve it. Mm. But um, I'm hopeful that people can get to the point where they can just hear each other's lament together and hope in Christ. And maybe we're finally to the point where we realize we cannot solve these problems. Right. Yeah. How do we begin to do, I mean, we have a lot of scriptural, you know, you talk about here, lament and hope. Um, We have a lot of scriptural patterns, right, for lament. So if we can be courageous enough and follow the spirit into that, I think we can do that. Um, But suggestions on how to hear well, you know, I think sometimes we listen, right, just to talk or to um, try to assert our own rightness about whatever issue. Um, so how do we practice listening well? And then maybe also what are some habits to inculcate hope? I have a friend that's been such a good example to me where she asked me when, when we talked, she had, I, I don't think she has a list, but she just has a way of asking me Uh, opening question about myself. And Mm -hmm. as I talk, she responds with a follow-up question. Mm -hmm. And it's shown me how often when someone, I might ask an opening question, but I respond with how 
often I respond by a reflection back on myself. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm working to do is to listen and Mm. with a follow-up question, which really makes me take what they're saying seriously and want to know more. Mm. And um, it's a good practical way how many, you know, make yourself ask two follow-up questions. Right. <laughs> Before you <laughs> insert anything about yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I also have found scripturally, um, it's good for me to have a few nugget scriptures, mm. like be still and know that I am God. Um, that's one I've come back to again and again, and I feel mm-hmm. feel free sometimes to share it with others because we're in this time. We want to solve these problems. We want to protect ourselves from these problems. We want to um, we want to solve these problems. We want to prepare so these problems don't affect us as badly as they're threatening to affect us right now. Mm-hmm. And when it gets us into an increasingly agitated state, there's more and more to do to keep ourselves safe, to keep our kids safe, right. uh, to avoid problems. So then you get into this anxious, this ball of anxiety and doing. Yeah. And so the, the pressing the pause button and stopping and resting and mm-hmm. being still and believing that God is God, mm-hmm. and that he is sovereign, he knows he, he's in charge, He's compassionate. He loves his children Mm -hmm. and he is wise. He knows what he's doing. And then hope. What are some ways in which we can kind of grow our hope instead of fear and anxiety and, or woe is me (laughs) in suffering? I um, love the phrase in, I think it's in Romans where it talks about, we have a hope that will not disappoint And I am repeatedly disappointed here on earth, but my suffering has caused me to lean into and really truly believe that when I see God face to face, I will not be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And I love that sweet picture at the end of Revelations where God comes up and wipes every tear Mm -hmm. from our face. And I envision that a lot. I have a mental image Mm -hmm. of getting to heaven and I'm Mm -hmm. not disappointed. Yeah, not disappointed at all. And God walks up to me and I, and I think of his hand cradling my face and wiping my tears away with his thumb. Hmm. And, and it's all good and it's all right. And that vision sustains me. It's, it's kind of, well, it's a dual perspective. It sounds like both like the, you actually have to show up to your pain um, and to lament, but then to also have people around you or that you're accessing, you know, through scripture, spiritual biographies, um, that can bring you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And give you and a lot, higher view. In the book, I try to offer a really wide variety of resources. Mm-hmm. Like there's God himself. Then there's scripture and characters in scripture. Mm-hmm. And then there's those who have gone on before us in the faith. The, the Elizabeth Elliot's and Amy Carmichael's yeah. or Sojourner Truth or, you know, and then there are our living companions, mm-hmm. you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's, we have to avail ourselves of a variety mm-hmm. uh, 
because no one is going to, well, God himself, but other than that, no one is going to be available all the time necessarily. Mm -hmm. What encouragement would you give to our listeners who um, are reticent about kind of diving into their suffering to give us some hope for the other side that it's worth it and a holy pursuit? Yeah, I, it is, it's fearful. It, it, it's like you have a manhole cover over (laughs) really noxious fumes and you're pretty afraid to take it off and you can't do it all the time. Your, your body can't sustain that level uh, rawness all the time, but you need to do it at some point. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, it's interesting because there can be triggers. Like for me, when we had to put our dog down in Seattle, mm-hmm. it triggered something in me and I sobbed and, you know, I was sad about the dog, but it was more than the dog. It right. was the marriage, the life, um, the pets, um, you know, the, the joy that we had had in that house. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's good sometimes if you have a trigger like that to give into it, mm. you know, and so maybe you're going to have 48 hours where you have a, 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 a migraine because you cried so much and got dehydrated or something, right. but there's some points where it's good to just go through that kind of deep heaving grief. And with someone maybe who can hold your hand, um, read you scripture. You can't read it when you're at that point. You can't read it for yourself, most likely. Mm-hmm. Have someone who can read you scripture, someone who can pray with you. Um, and then you can get up and it may be, you maybe you can get up in three hours, might be two days. Then you can get up and stand up and, mm-hmm. and move forward. But if you don't, have those moments of owning the grief and walking through the grief, it will eventually get you some other way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How has that helped your parenting journey? Well, um, one of the things with my boys I had to learn to do was I couldn't solve it. I couldn't solve the pain for them. Yeah. And um, I have learned that when they are sad to crawl in the bed with them and cry with them and hold them and say, yeah, yeah, this sucks. I'm sorry, sweetie. And, you know, we'll cry together. And then at some point we'll pray what is the problem on their heart. Mm -hmm. But I never minimize it. Never. We, we face it head on together. Mm -hmm. And I think my boys are, they're helping emotionally and well adjusted and, I, I'm not going to take credit in terms of like, oh, I thought of that, but I had a, a therapist, a counselor told me to do it that way with them. Mm-hmm. And I can say that was right. That was mm-hmm. the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you are setting them up for a good, you know, healthy emotional relationships as adults, which will be good too. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I mean, we all, who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, joke that I, I can't wait to sit in with them um, <laughs> when uh, they're with the, I hope they'll let me know what they told their therapist about yeah. me. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I'm so sorry, I think is, um, I remember someone I spoke to, a mentor saying, you know, with the parenting thing is the best answer is, you know, um, I'm sorry, tell me more. And I was like, oh, how those are healing words. 
Right, right. Yes. Well, thank you, Wendy. I think um, your book is a beautiful companion too for those who suffer as well. You can add that to your, you know, your list of cloud of witnesses is is your own um, book. So thank you. But I would love to ask you as we conclude what your laundry routine is. I love asking all my guests what their laundry routine is as a way to help kind of connect some dots between suffering and pain as well as normal stuff like the laundry. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, here's a great thing about my laundry routine is my boys are now old enough to do their own laundry. Well done. And, well done. I am <laughs> uh, 14 and 15. Good uh, job. They, they're on laundry and I'm super proud of that. And um, mine then is just, I only have to do a little bit of laundry because nice. I, I'm not the big, uh, um, so yeah, uh, my laundry routine is once I'm out of clothes, then you just toss it in, yeah. get it done. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like smooth sailing now. I love it. Right. You know, when I was, uh, lived in Seattle, I had a big pile of black and then right. I had a little pile of colored. Yeah. And now that I've been back in South Carolina for a while, my, my, my black pile is getting smaller. Right. And then my, my colored pile is getting bigger. So. Yeah. Do you so, think so. it's just because like black and it's a city and so you wear black and you're super smart sort of thing? Like yeah, is that the con or, the, or is it weather? N no, it's tr being cool. It's right. being cool because mm -hmm. our, our weather is actually um, a lot similar. Okay. Uh, sort of similar. Yeah. But um, in South Carolina, I used to joke when I was flying from Seattle to South Carolina that when you got to the connecting flight to South Carolina, all the hair got bigger. And <laughs> right. Purses matched the shoes. Matched yep. the yeah. Things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And now you're, you're, you're being applicable to your place. Like I'm assimilated. Yeah. I think that's okay. At least in terms of your clothing choices. <laughs> right. Uh, well, thank you, Wendy. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for being on and giving us some hope and some practical ways to engage with our own suffering right now. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Wendy Alsup. Make sure you go back and listen to the conversation with Sheila Wiseborough and with Scott Sauls, both of which are incredibly applicable for this moment in time as we lament and move through so much sorrow as we've approached the year anniversary of the pandemic, as well as having so much racialized violence and mass shootings even more recently in our nation's history. I want to leave you with something hopeful with one small step that you can take with you into your everyday holy life. So as you listen to this episode and maybe turn this episode off in your car or as you're doing the dishes or folding laundry, I want to invite you into a time of lament. Wendy talks about her friends that were able to functionally hold her up, that could pray scripture back to her, be with her and to give her words when she was in the gut-wrenching moments of simply not being able to. So whether you're dealing with racial violence, whether you're dealing with a loss of a loved one, whether you're dealing with even just the loss of your own plans, I hope that you might set aside some time this week to actually grieve. For me, that looked like a long walk where I prayed my anger and my frustration with my feet. And so I would invite you to maybe open up the book of Lamentations or find a psalm to pray 
So think about how you might want to be a friend like that to someone or how might you invite someone in to your own sorrow, your own loss, your own lament, your own anger at injustice this week. I want to encourage you quickly just to jump on over as well to the show notes. You'll see as you scroll down, there's two wonderful offerings I have for you today. The first, if you haven't picked it up yet, is a pandemic anniversary journal. In the pandemic anniversary journal, I give you a prayer and just a few small journaling questions to begin to process what this anniversary means for your body, mind, and soul in the presence of God. So I hope you will grab that free journal and spend some time with it. And secondly, I am offering again my Holy Week at Home workbook. What that looks like is some prayers, some scripture readings, some recipes, and a few activities to root your Holy Week that you will most likely have at home this year. You can find those links directly in the show notes because friends, these big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.